Well, hello ladies, hello, hello. Um, it is such a joy and a privilege to be up here. Like Crystal just said, my name is Michaela, and I started coming to Blue Ridge about a year ago, and this year, in 2023, I started becoming a part of Women's Life, um, which has just been one of the greatest blessings of my life in this season that I'm in right now. And so I am so, so excited about what the Lord is just put on my heart to share. Um, honestly, there's been a lot of changes and things that um, have just kind of moved around from what I initially thought I was going to be talking about. And today is just going to look a little bit different, but I'm really excited. And so just to start off, will you just pray with me, please? Jesus, thank you for today, Father. Um, God, I thank you for today because you are in today, Jesus. You are within us, Lord, and you love us, Father. And so I thank you for today, Father, because you have graciously brought all of these beautiful women that stand, that sit before me, Lord, and, and they are here today, God. And so I just thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is living and active today, God. And so I pray that today... We all, myself included, Lord, would just learn more and more about you and about your love for us, Father. God, I pray right now that not by my might or my power, but by your spirit, Lord, that I might be able just to, to be a vessel, Lord, to be used by you, um, just to share it with these women today. We love you and we praise you for who you are. And you know I pray, amen. So I'm going to start by telling y'all a story, and this story started about, um, I don't know, 13 or 14 years ago. It's about me, yours truly, and I was about eight or nine years old. Actually, we'll go back a little bit further. So in first grade, starting in first grade, I met my best friend. Her name is Katie Thornton, but I called her Katie T for short, and Katie T was fantastic. She was so fun to be around, and I loved to play with her, and she liked to be outside, so I like to be outside, and she likes sports, so I like sports, and, and we just did everything together, and it was the best. And so we met in first grade, and then in second grade, we were also best friends, and her family was also the best as well, because her mom was just so cool. And my mom is cool, don't get me wrong, but her mom was just like a little bit edgy. And so her mom's name was Suzette, and I know that because I called her Suzette, because she insisted that me, as a child, called her Suzette and not Mrs. Thornton. And I remember I went home one day and I told my mom, and I was like, yeah, so Suzette took us to get ice cream, and my mom was like, excuse me. I don't know who you think you are. You are nine years old. You do not address an adult in that way. But I did anyways, because Suzette told me to. When only when I was with her, of course, though. And so fast forward, we were best friends, first grade, second grade, and then third grade hits, and this new girl comes, and her name is Julia. And Julia is really, really cool, guys. I mean, she's really cool. She is tall, and she's pretty, and she is all the things that I want to be, but I just really kind of am not. And on top of that, her mom drives a really, really cool car um, in, the, in the pickup line, and and to top it all off, everyone wants to be her friend, mostly because her father was a former professional baseball player. And so everyone thought that she was just so cool. And so to be, to be picked as Julia's friend, wow, what an honor. And so we kind of made a little Three Musketeer situation, me, Katie, and Julia, and I loved them. And it was just so fun. And then I remember, you know, we had school, and then we had the weekend, and come back on Monday, and, and the girls, they, they start talking like, oh, remember when we did this? And, that they were hanging out without me. And I remember being like, it's okay, 
it's fine, don't be worried. But I was worried, I was scared, what? Like, I, I don't wanna lose my best friends. And so then, probably a couple months later, I remember Julia, excuse me, not Julia, Tady came to me, and she said, she was started off, she liked to start off sentences by saying no offense. And uh, she looked at me and she said, no offense, but um, I don't really want to be your friend anymore. And I said, uh, first of all, offense taken, um, wow. And uh, second of all, I, I remember sitting there and, and you know, kids are the best, but they, they're, they're little people with, with big emotions and they don't know what to do with them. And I mean, honestly, I'm still an adult with big emotions and I don't know what to do with them. But these, these, I remember these, these big feelings welling up within me and I told myself, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And so I ended up going home, I held it in and I went home and my mom said, how are you doing? You look kind of sad. And the floodgates broke and I lost it. And I cried and cried and cried to my mom. And I said, mom, why doesn't she want to be my friend? Why doesn't she want to be my friend? Are you kidding? And then I, I proceeded to ask my mom, this is the first time I can remember asking my, myself, my mother, anyone this question. And it certainly is not the last because I asked myself this virtually every day, but I looked at my mom and I said, Mom, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And I don't have to wonder, I don't have to ask. We could pass this mic around and talk for hours and all cry about our KDT experiences when we were children. Because I know all of us in this room have asked the question, what's wrong with me? And so today, we are going to talk about inadequacy, about this place of, I don't measure up. I am not enough. I am rejected. So I'm going to start by defining the word inadequate. Inadequate means lacking in quality and quantity. Insufficient for a purpose, not enough or good enough. And like I said, we could pass one on this mic and we could talk for hours and hours about all of the places and the spaces that we ourselves have felt inadequate. And maybe for you, it started in a situation similar to mine. Maybe when you were a kid, you had a friend reject you. Or maybe, maybe your parents and they said it was all out of love, but they held it to a possibly high standard that you failed to meet. Or maybe you had a coach who always tried to better you and push you to be the best, but you could never be the best. You could never win the race. Or maybe, maybe you're a wife or a mother, and you look at all of the women around you, whether they're in social media or they're actually in your life, and you say, wow, I just wish that I could be as good of a mother or a wife as her. I wish I could be as capable of a worker in my business, in my job, as that person. I wish I measured up, I wish I was enough. I could go on and on and on. We feel inadequate in so many spaces and places in our lives. And I feel like in all of the places that I have been outside of this church, growing up especially, within the church and going to conferences and church camp and all of the things, that I've had many, many conversations about inadequacy and identity. And I feel like in those spaces, a lot of times we've sat and, and a woman or someone has stood up on a stage and told me and looked at me and said, you are beautiful and you are worthy and you are loved and you are enough, now go live it. 
And, and not that those things are wrong. Please, please don't hear me. Those things are not incorrect at all. But I think a lot of times I would leave those places and say, okay, for instance, I would come home and I'd be like, okay, today I'm going to live in this way. I'm going to live in this manner. I'm going to live loved. But then by the end of the week of coming home, I'm already right back to where I was before camp even started or whatever sermon or session happened. And so today, right now, I want us to dig deep in inadequacy and, and go deep in our roots in it because I don't want us to have to wait for another session, another time of us going through this study three, four years down the road to fix this problem again. I don't want you to have to wait for another conference, for another space. How do we right now in ourselves learn how to self-regulate and self-correct the lies that that we are believing in that are pushed and thrust upon us every single day. And so I feel like the deeper we dive, the more freedom that will arise. So this next thing that I'm about to say is something that I really, and I mean really, wrestled with the Lord of, are you sure that you want me to say this? Are you sure, God? Because I, I really don't want to. And so I, I say this right now, with all of the love and the courage that I can possibly muster up because it's hard, and it's hard for me to grasp and wrestle with it, but my sweet friends, today I want to tell you that you are not enough. And I know that that, that hits, and I know that we as women, that, oh my gosh, like, are you kidding? But we are not enough. And so today we're going to dive deep into why we are not enough. And we're going to talk mostly about the one who is. So, if you will for me, I am going to go to Jude, which is the very last book before Revelation. Second to last book in the whole Bible. I absolutely adore this book. It is one that has brought me through many, many seasons and trials. And... Just a little bit of context about the book of Jude. Jude was written by Jude, who was the half-brother of Jesus, and he is writing this book to the Christians who are, are hearing so many false teachings and lies in their lives, and he, he's writing to them and he's saying, hey, look up, contend for your faith, fight for your faith because you are being inundated with lies. And I don't think that Jude would change his tune at all if he was writing this book today. He would say to us, hey, look up, contend for the faith because every time you pick up your phone, every time you turn on the news, every time you walk outside, every single time you have to fight for your faith because the world is trying to inundate and scream at us all of the lies and the world is going to say to you no you pull yourself up by your bootstraps you go girl you are good enough you are fine you you know you say get away from the haters you flip your hair you go and you go out and you kill it and that's that's what the world wants us to believe and and Judah saying no 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 this is the gospel this is what we believe. Don't listen to the world, listen to the truth. So Jude, chapter one, the only chapter, verses 24 through 25 says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling 
and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen. So there's three things in these verses that I just want to go ahead and break down. Number one, we are kept from stumbling. So what does that look like? We're kept from stumbling. Okay. So if I'm falling, if I'm on my way towards the ground and I'm kept from stumbling, that must mean that there are hands upon me that are picking me up and that are standing me up. Those are the hands of Christ. You see, we fall and fail every single day. And I want you to, to backtrack with me to the beginning of the world when Adam and Eve, two people who were created in the very image of God, got to walk with him, were filled with fullness of joy, and had, had the best life that we could ever imagine. And every single day, they were with God. And then one day, a snake came into their lives and he said to them, don't you want to be God? Don't you want to be like God? And they believed the lie. But it's so unfortunate because they already were like God. They were created in his image. And so they decided to believe the lie, and they fell. And we see in Genesis 3 the fall that took place. And so when they fell after that, every single creature that has been created has fallen. And on this day today, there is no one in this room, there is no one right now on this earth who is not a fallen creation. And that is a really, really hard thing to grapple, but it's the truth. And so as we sit and as we, we hear this, okay, I'm, I'm fallen, but then there is one who can keep me from stumbling, whose hands are upon me. Whose hands are those? His name is Jesus. Enter Jesus. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he wrapped himself in flesh. You see, he saw that we were stumbling and falling and he said, no more. No more do I want my children to fall and stumble. I want to lift them up. I want to make them whole again. Because he knew how broken we are. He came and he got on a cross and he himself was broken for us. And he took all of our sin, all of it, all of it was placed upon him, and he traded our sin for his righteousness. And so because, because of this, we have a hope today. Because of this, rest assured, we can be kept from stumbling by the one who got on a cross and was broken for us. So, number one, we have one who keeps us from stumbling. He stands us up. Number two, he presents us as blameless. Blameless. So if we look, we see that, that Jesus did not just die. Yes, he died a bloody and gruesome death on the cross, but then he rose again. And it's beautiful because specifically in the book of John, when we look, see going back to, to Genesis, how, how in a garden two people sinned and fell and they were exiled from that space. And so then... We see in the book of John, when Jesus exits the grave, he exits out and he's in a garden. What a redemption and a restoration from our king. What a beautiful thing that he would bring us back to the very place that we lost 
relationship with us, with us. That he would bring us back to this place that he would, he would want to be in our presence. And the only reason that we can be in his presence is if he makes us blameless. And the way that he makes us blameless is through the cross and through his resurrection. And so today, we get to stand. We, the Lord has, has picked us up and is continuing to pick us up with his hands, his loving, pierced hands. And he presents us before the Father and he says, this is my daughter. Isn't she beautiful? This is my daughter. Isn't she whole? Isn't she worthy? And she's not whole and worthy and beautiful and righteous because of anything that she has ever done. She is righteous and blameless because of everything that I have done. And I have placed all of myself and all of my righteousness and my goodness upon her. You see, my friends, you are not enough. But we have a Savior who is. And our Savior enables us to be enough. To be sufficient through the power of his blood and his blood alone. And so he, he loves that he gets to present us as blameless. So number three, you are his joy. You are his joy. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Jesus enjoys being with you. He enjoys being with you. And I know that there may have been so many times and so many people and so many moments of, I am not wanted here. They don't want to be around me. They told me they don't want to be my friend. I don't measure up to them. But Jesus, Jesus presents you as blameless, and it is his joy to do so. He wants to be with you every single day, every single moment, every single second. His heart wants nothing more than to be wrapped up with yours and in you every single day. And the reason I know that it is his joy to be with you is because he wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have come. He wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have gone through so much turmoil and trials and tribulation if it wasn't for you. So you might be asking yourself, you might be saying, okay, so that's, that's fantastic. That's awesome. I, I understand that. I, I believe that. I've heard that my whole life. Or I, I, yes, I've accepted that. And, and that's beautiful, but what do I do with that? Because every day, like I said, every day we wake up and we immediately turn to, I'm not enough. I'm not, I'm not enough. And I might try and try through, through my job or through any, any and everything that I possibly can to be enough and to be whole, but I, I'm not on my own and in and out of myself. So what does it look like in everyday life? I have two application points today. The first one is lean. Lean. Depend heavily upon Jesus. Because he will not fall over when you lean upon him. Depend upon Jesus. 
Because if he's the one who can keep you from stumbling, if he's the one who lifts you up, if he's the one whose hands you are in, then there is no way that you can fall in his hands. There is no way that you cannot be whole and enough and sufficient in and through him. And so the verse that I want to take us with that is 2 Corinthians 12, 9, which says, by grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I know that as women especially, it's really, really hard to not be perfect. It's really hard. And every day, I wake up and I have a set of goals in my mind and I have all of the things that I'm like, okay, I, I need to get this done and this done and this needs to be done right. And, and, and then if something is off just a little bit or if I get tired and I need to rest, ah, oh, oh, the way that I beat myself up over it and the way that I get so upset at myself for being weak. But Paul is saying, I'm going to boast in being weak. I am weak. And I am going to shout out from the mountaintops that I am weak. Why? Because God's power comes upon us in our weakness. You see, God's power wants to come and interrupt all of our weakness. And in that, in our weakness, what do we gain? Yes, we gain the power of Christ, but we gain dependency upon Christ. We gain closeness with our Father. So lean upon Jesus. And Jesus will shine through your weaknesses. He will shine through all of the places that you, you tell yourself you're a failure. He will shine through all of the places that, that you feel completely and utterly inadequate. Second point of application for us today is look. First we have lean and then we have look. The verse that I am going to read today is for look is one of... One of my all-time favorites, and I have just, my view of it has been transformed in such a beautiful way, specifically this year. And it is Psalm 84, 11, which says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing. And you might be saying to me right now, Okay, that's cool. That's cute. I love that verse sounds really, really good. But I can give you a list that is so long about all of the things that God has withheld with, from me. I can tell you about all of the things that he has either just bestowed upon me that have been hard and ugly or the things that, that I feel like I deserve and I haven't gotten yet. And I've prayed for them and I've waited for them. But what if we look at this verse a little bit differently? What if we... What if we realize that the truly good things of God are already within us? And they have been put within us from the moment that we decided to trust and believe and follow Jesus. You see, the good things that are already inside of us are things that cannot be taken from, by this world. They are things that cannot be stolen, that the world can't even touch. And those things are peace of mind. Joy in the Holy Spirit, the forever presence of Jesus, and the assurance that one day we will see his face. The world can never touch or take these things from us. 
And so if we look, if we look at who God is and we look at the things that he's placed within us, we see that we are full. Our cups are full to the brim with the things of God and his goodness. They are full. And all of the, the times that we have said, I am not enough, while we've been in Christ, those have been times and moments of lies and believing, believing lies that Satan wants to tell us. And Satan told Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, don't you want to be like God? Because if you get, become like God, you will, you will get to, to be more full. They already had the fullest of life possible. They already had it. Yet somehow, they decided that they needed more. And so ladies, that's why today I want to encourage us to look. Look and see what God has given and placed within us. He has saved us. And he has loved us. And he has appointed and placed his goodness within and upon your life forever and ever. So I just want to end today with, with telling a different story. And, and this story is one that is a little more raw because it's a little more recent. And so I can, I can talk with, you know, in jest about the, the KDT story and situation, but this one is, it, it, it cuts, I won't lie. I, I'll, I'll let you know that right now. But as I, as I share this story, I, there are going to be pictures, and you can laugh. They are funny. Yes, they're kind of pathetic and pitiful, but you can laugh. So I'm just going to share that right now. Do not feel bad if you laugh. I think it's funny. I can laugh. I will tell you that right now. But I just want to talk about a time in my life, which was a year ago, the summer of 2022. And like Crystal said, I am just finishing up nursing school, and, and I am in this, this new season. But a year and a half ago, I was in a terrible, and I do mean terrible, place and space of mind, um, especially because it was December and we got all of our final grades back and I had worked my tail off um, at Liberty Nursing. The, the junior year is notorious for being the absolute hardest um, of all and, and everyone dreads it and it's, it's, it's awful. It's the worst. I, I won't even lie to you about it. And so I had already been coming out of a really hard season and was really wrestling and grappling with just some trauma and some other things. And so that semester was really hard. And I was just really, I was putting my all into it. But man, my all was not good enough because I got the news that I had failed a class. And uh, this is my reaction um, from failing. And, um, and, and it's okay, like I said, you can laugh. It's, it's, it's sad, it's, it's really sad. And that was my first reaction, and then this was my second reaction of, of trying to push through and, and be okay, and I was not okay. I was not okay. And, um, and my parents are the best people in the world, but they are high achievers, and they expect a lot. And so having to go and sit before these two people that I think are the, the greatest thing in the world and tell them, I, I failed. I, I cannot convey the depth of how hard that was. And, I, and I, I told them I failed, and so the way that the program works is that if you fail, you have to redo another um, that, that semester, and so you, you cannot go on. And so me redoing that whole semester put me in with a whole different cohort of people, and so all of my friends moved on, 
And I felt the shame in the way of my friends have moved on, and they know, they know I'm not with them. And, and that, ah, that stings, and that's really, really hard. And, and then this place of, I have to do this all over again, and I have to trudge, and I have to work, and, and, and I'm not progressing, I'm not moving forward, I, I'm not measuring up, therefore, therefore I'm a failure. And so, so this was, this was hard, like I just said, but honestly, this was the beginning of a really, really, really hard season altogether. And so I'm going through my, my semester, this new semester, and redoing my classes and just, just trudging along and begrudgingly and have no joy and just, ah, it was so difficult. And then one day, my, my best friend, my best friend, we were so close, so I, I essentially called her a sister. And when I could tell you the exact place, the exact moment, and we were in her car. And in so many words, not as blatant as KDT, but she told me through her words and through her actions, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And I remember I was, I, I took that in, and I, I nodded, and I said, okay, and, and, I, and I took in all, everything that she said to me after that, and I nodded, and, and the same way that my nine-year-old self did, I said, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. And then she dropped me off at my house and, um, and that was the last time that I would see her for months after that. And, and I, I came into my house in my kitchen. And in the same way that I did when I was nine, but even worse, even more painfully, I wept. And, and I, I remember weeping so loudly and so ferociously for lack of a better term, that I remember being like, I, I hope my roommates are not in here because they would be so concerned about me. And so from, from this space, this time, this, this picture marks one of the hardest seasons of my life that I have ever, ever walked through. And I struggled and I trudged through my day in shame and felt like such a failure. And so, that just began just months and months of me walking with the Lord in this really, really tough spot. And, and some days I would, I would be okay for a couple hours in the morning and then the rest of the day I wouldn't and some days vice versa. And, and I was going through therapy and so many other things and walking through things and deconstructing and de disentangling so many things and webs and lies and hurt and pain and shame. And, and I just remember being like, this will never end. And so this, this time a year ago, literally this time a year ago, I was in the middle of all of that. And if you would have told me a year ago that I would be on a stage right now, I never would have believed you because I was in a place where I, I didn't want to be with God because I felt so ashamed of myself. And then I felt ashamed for not spending time with God. And so it was a circle, but then, then I was like, well, I can't come back to God because he's going to be ashamed of me for not being with him, and on and on and on, and this, this circle and this web of lies and shame just continued. And through, through many months of, of prayers and tears and, and walking through all of this with Jesus, he lovingly and tenderly lifted me up. And he kept me and continues to keep me from stumbling. 
And even though I, I really, really wrestle with him, and some days I want to stay on the ground, and I say, no, 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 don't, I don't want to be picked up. I, I shouldn't be picked up. I shouldn't be your daughter. He still does anyways. And, and I remember the day that I realized that Jesus, in my whole state, in all of this, that Jesus still presents me as blameless. And I, I just want... I just want to remind all of you that truth today. That I, I don't know where all of you are at at all. But I do know that no matter where you are at, no matter the depth of all of the places that you feel so inadequate and you feel like you are not enough, that Jesus' love runs deeper than even that. And I just... My hope and my prayer today is just that you get to put your hands on Jesus's nail-scarred hands and see and recognize and realize that he knows the depth of your pain and he knows the depth of all of the places that you feel inadequate and all of the places that you feel you don't measure up and that you are not enough. And he understands you. And he sees you and he loves you. And today, as I, as I was just getting ready to, I was in my car and I was just praying and I was driving and I was like, Lord, okay, I, I'm ready. I, I know what I want to talk about. I'm excited. And I, I know that this is what you want me to share with these women. And I said, is there anything else, Jesus? Is there, is there anything else? And he said, remind them. Do not let them forget how much I love them. He loves us so very much today and forever, ladies. You, my friends, my sweet, sweet daughters of the King, you are not enough. But we have a King who loves us, who keeps us from stumbling, who puts his hand upon us, who picks us up, presents us as blameless, and has great, and I mean great, that you are his. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this moment. I thank you for this time, Lord. Lord, today, right now, Father, I am so, so incredibly grateful, Father, for who you are and for your blood. I am grateful that your grace is sufficient, that your grace fills in the gaps, Lord. Your grace covers us, Jesus. And so I pray for every heart and every life, God, right now that needs to be reminded that they are covered, Jesus. That because of who you are, because of your sacrifice for us, Father, we are enough, and we can never do enough on our own, Lord, but because of you, Jesus. You enable us to be enough. And so I thank you, Lord, for every woman in this room. And I just pray right now, God, that you will move and you will stir up something within them, Lord. That they will be able to go deep with the roots of all the places that they have been feeling inadequate, Lord, their whole lives, Lord. 
But today, Lord, that the, the pattern and the cycle will break, Jesus, in your name. That we will be women who get to live free, Lord, because we know who we belong to and we know who makes us sufficient and enough. And it is you, Father. Thank you for tonight. I pray that all of our discussions and our time is fruitful. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Okay, ladies. Oh, I, I also forgot to mention at the very end, but the picture that was up behind me was just a reality of the fact that the Lord redeems and restores. And last month, I did get to graduate, which is really, really incredible. And and that's Jesus. And um, and I I can smile that big about it because I know the depth of, of what it took and, and who brought me there. So thank you so much for your time. Um, these are the questions that we are going to go over tonight. Um, in our groups, and so you have some time. So, thank you.